Hey everybody, welcome to the Plain Glass Podcast, where we talk about worship leadership, church music, and a myriad of other stuff. My name is Jay. And my name is Chris. As worship leaders, we can lead through some really exciting times. Special seasons and services or events, they can be very invigorating, but there are other aspects of our work that can be very mundane. So today we want to talk about that, dealing with the mundane. But first, we're going to begin with a quick recap of a recent Sunday. You ready, Jay? Let's do it. All right, Jay, let's shake it up a little bit. Okay. Recapping a recent Sunday. Mm -hmm. Give me one or two mundane details about your day. Yeah, so as I'm thinking about it, what comes to my mind actually isn't on a, it's, it's never on a Sunday morning. It's, it's on a Saturday night, actually. But on Saturday nights, I like to plan our call to worship and write out my prayer of invocation before I go to sleep. And it's something that I think I started doing on Saturday nights because there had been Sunday mornings where things just got a little dicey with time. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was able to put more as serious of thought as I would want to into planning that stuff. So I just kind of make it a standard before I go to bed Saturday night, I'm going to pull up my service order, look at the flow, look at the passage again, think about where we're going. It helps me actually by, because I plan my services out sometimes three or four weeks in advance. Cause I'll plan a month and, in one go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get the last week of the month and I haven't thought about this service really in four or five weeks. So it helps me to the night before to look at that service again, think through it sometimes like refigure out what I was intending. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the planner in you a month ago, <laughs> this great idea. You're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I just somehow like, put like, this what together. Am, what am I doing here? Yeah. Relate to that for sure. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll then open up, my Bible or use like the worship source book and look through depending on the season or the series or the, even just like the opening song, what is the opening song and look at passages that might pair well with those things. Yeah. And then from that call to worship that I choose, I write my prayer the night before. I also feel like being closer to that actual Sunday helps me feel like I'm, better contextualizing our prayer in the moment, even though it's the night before, but it's not four weeks before that I'm like writing this prayer and picking this call to worship. I'm sure. I feel like I'm doing it in real time, but still giving myself enough time to not um, feel anxious about it or, or lose, lose like something happens and then I, I don't have time to, to do it, mm-hmm. you know? So that's something I do every single week without fail. Does that answer? You feel like that answers the question? I like it. It actually raises some thoughts for me about our topic. Okay, cool. So what about you? What's something you do every single week without fail? Yeah, without fail. I wish I were reliable enough to say (laughs) do something every single time. And I'm sure that there are. I'm thinking about this. You show up. I definitely come (laughs) every time I'm supposed to, to be at church. I'm there. So presence is one thing, and that's not something to take for granted. Mm. And actually, that's what I've been thinking about. How do I arrive present 
So like, are you a morning person? Um, I mean, I we all are like, because we had to be, I but have to be. were you born that way? Uh, no. Yeah. No. Me neither. I'm a sleeper. Yes. Just let me sleep all day. I mean, I would sleep till like two o'clock in the afternoon I, I every day. Sl- I would sleep till I'm sore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and tired again for the next night already. <laughs> so this is great. Yeah. Right. And we're worship leaders and we're up really, really early. So part of my, my process for getting through that and being ready to go in the morning is an early wake up mm-hmm. like way earlier than any other day. And I try to get out of the house usually while it's still dark. That depends on the time of year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's easier than others. Yep. Um, but I really try to try to just get out while it's really quiet. And so the, the first people that I talk to a lot of times are going to be a volunteer at church. Right. So I try up for setup. Exactly. And, you know, I learned there was a period of time where maybe I'd come in and try to get as much sleep as I could, you know, and I, I didn't feel like I would arrive ready in that case. It's like, I'm still waking up mm-hmm. and I can understand that my volunteers, if they're getting here at seven thirty or whatever, maybe earlier, that's not that early, but it's pretty early for a Sunday. You're asking a lot of them. Right. I want to be ready to leave. It's typically them. earlier than most people arrive at work. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot to ask. And if I'm still waking up and maybe maybe I'm a little grumpy or whatever, it's just not really fair. So mm-hmm. my process for that has become the early wake up. And I'm a coffee person, so I always have a cup of coffee before people arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else is kind of wrapped up into that little mundane ritual? Routine. Routine would be the early wake up silence a lot of silence the coffee um and then there's almost always some component of devotion but it's not like uh i'm sitting over my bible for 45 minutes praying the whole time i wish i were like that but i'm not but there's always some kind of conversation with god about whatever's going on and you know sometimes it's processing things that have been going on at home over the weekend or right whatever you know kind of the way everybody who shows up to church, they start to maybe think through how are things going and what brought me here. And then they ease their way into the service and hopefully they have an encounter that really is remarkable. You know, mm-hmm. I want the same thing for myself. Sure. So I, I try to go through those habits of processing things that are going on in my life. That's really good. I wish there was a time in my life that I think I was pretty similar minus the coffee. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, that don't like the flavor. That's so sad. So anyway, um, there was a time where I think I was, I was more like that. I think I'm also, I am kind of in a season where I'm just getting up in time. I mean, I still show up a good 15 or 20 minutes before the first volunteer, but there was a time where I would show up a good 45 minutes before mm-hmm. the first volunteer and just kind of take my time easing into the morning and being at the church. And that's when I would usually like plan that, but you, what you, I'm saying that to say you're challenging me to really think through that hmm. because I really appreciate the practice and the intentionality of what you're doing and how you start your day. So I think it's a really healthy thing to do. Let's think through some more of this. And so you're listening and in this moment, think about this. What characterizes your 
most mundane moments in the process of leading your church? Like our last segment kind of addressed in what we talked about in the openers, talking about how do we as worship leaders operate in a healthy way week in and week out? How do we keep things fresh or should we try to keep things fresh or what does that even look like when we have to do these tasks every, you know, seven days we're doing that service again? And we may choose different songs or we may choose different scripture passages, but the, the act of what we're doing is essentially the same every yeah. single week. So we want to talk about maybe some of the challenges of that and, and how it impacts us as worship leaders and, and how, yeah, how can we encourage one another. Chris, how about you start us off a little bit here, get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Can you share when you felt like your weeks are just kind of, you're, you're, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I, just I kind call of, it the doldrums. Doldrums. That's it's what like you called it. Yeah. You're just kind of trapped just, in this repetitive motion. Like you're being yeah. tossed around the cycles of a wave or, right. you know, the, the tide going in and out. Mm-hmm. Like how do you fight for maintaining kind of mm-hmm. being refreshed or, or whatever through that? I think to think through this faithfully, I probably start, I need to always start these conversations rather than going straight to the problem. Like in this case, I think it's some of how we've handled other things has been what's the problem and then what's the solution. Mm-hmm. I think we could kind of cast a vision for like, what's the broad spectrum. If I have this limited narrow view of my little part of the created order and what God is doing, can I have a broader vision for, everything that he's up to. Mm. And obviously I can't because I don't have that bird's eye view. I don't have the position and authority of God to see it all. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of comfort though in even just those little natural analogies that I provided. Mm-hmm. You know, the tide. I mean, it does a tire of coming in and going. Right. You know, the... <laughs> Welcome to manhood, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got that. Do you have any stage. questions? That's beautiful. <laughs> We're not editing that out. All right. Okay. Thank you. Um, the sun and its setting, rising, rising and setting. And, yeah. and notice that that's scripture uses these references a lot to point to the, the glory of God. Mm. Um, you know, there's a created order that is in its own sense, mundane, repetitive, repetitive motion. Yeah but it all has a purpose and a meaning. So, you know, for my heart to not get kind of dull, I have to go back to those simple examples in scripture of just consider the birds. Yeah. And you know, they have what they need, but they don't, they can't even ask, but they have it. How much more does he care for you? So these simple natural comparisons are really helpful for me. Mm hmm. Um, I also like to think about Jesus and his life. You know, we have this, these little vignettes of his life Mm -hmm. and then we've got quite a bit from, from the three years or so of his ministry. Right. 
Yeah. But he was mid-30s by the time he was crucified or early 30s. So what about all the rest of the time before? Right. And this is one of the things that I've talked about with my team kind of off and on, but just considering him as an apprentice to Joseph Mm -hmm. becoming a carpenter. And I know you do woodworking, so actually this would be interesting if you can... (laughs) Uh, Jay, if you can speak into this at all, but just the that repetitive act of becoming good at something. Yeah. He would have had to really commit his whole self to apprenticing in that role. Right. Um, now, the Bible doesn't make a, like a strong case for Jesus being an exceptional craftsman, as far as I know, but that would have been a lot of his time. Sure. And there's not a lot of treatment of that, but mm-hmm. I think that that's a major part of his testimony just as a human being that he devoted himself to a craft and to a trade. So that's another, just a little kind of a nuance, but a lens that I like to look at some of the most mundane things through Mm. is that he's our ultimate example as someone who, yes, he ultimately was obedient unto the point of death, but we also have all these years of being perfectly honoring of his parents. Yeah. And we all know that's a long road. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and being a craftsman. So, Mm. Uh, so, sort of some of my beginning thoughts. If we turn this thing upside down, the big picture, kind of the the arc of it. Do you have anything to add to that? I like to think of our Sunday morning services as a bit of a rehearsal. Hmm. Like every Sunday, we are practicing what we'll, we will be doing for eternity. Yeah. Like it reminds me of Re- Revelation five. I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Hmm. And I feel like that picture is, it's a picture of what we will be doing at the end of all things, but for eternity, we will be worshiping God and saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Mm. And so when we get together on Sundays on this side of heaven, we are, are practicing for that. Yeah. And I think that when you put it in that kind of picture, I don't think it's mundane that to think of it that way, that we get the opportunity to, in this moment, do something that we will more fully do for eternity and um, yeah so that's one thing that came to my mind about it I don't know it's an awesome perspective for sure like and you know sometimes that's enough to just shake you out of a lot of times that's what the call to worship is it's like let's come together and let God remind us that he's the one enacting this and initiating it right yeah he calls us out of our the mire and muck of mundane life to remind us I have called you for a glorious purpose yeah so that's a really good reminder for me too some of the the strategies for maybe on two sides like the way that you plan for your church and then the way that you um, 
build your life or, or structure your time in your life? What are some some strategies then for trying to keep that in view, both for yourself and for your church? So as I'm thinking about uh, pr- preparing a, a service for the church and trying to keep it, I'll just say kingdom-minded, I have to go back to God's word. Hmm. That, you know, that could be the passage that we're discussing that week. Or, um, yeah, maybe there's a secondary passage that I want to share in addition to the preached word that will happen somewhere in the the service. But I'm, I remind myself that God's word is alive. Hmm. And it is powerful and it, and it changes lives. And even though we've sung these songs over and over again, or, you know, like it just feels like the, the material itself that we're doing as far as music doesn't feel new and fresh. We can trust in God's word to impact our lives in, in a myriad of ways, in a myriad of times, like at different times of our lives, because it's alive. And so I can trust that as I'm planning and I can look to the passage and we, this probably might've been off mic, but we talked about like context and culture and, and, and what have you, and being aware of your church. And I think, so taking, taking God's word, thinking about it in light of where our church is at right now. Yeah. Um, and how this passage, maybe the preached word combined with the music can serve our church the best way this week. Hmm in light of our continued trajectory of wanting to grow in Christ likeness. But how does the, how does the preach, how does the scripture passage we're looking at and how does the music that we're trying to pair up with all of this mm-hmm. serve our church today in the families that are dealing with, you know, any number of situations within the body of our church or, or maybe even the church body as a whole is dealing with something as a community that we want to be sensitive to. to. Yeah. You want to be aware of that and have not necessarily that doesn't shape. You're not, you know, you don't want what you're doing to be completely tossed around by current events. Of course. Right. But the sensitivity to that, that's to me, that's like an other mindedness, like considering the needs of others above my own. Mm -hmm. If I'm stepping in as a planner, part of that, there is like a self denial that I think can be really helpful in avoiding feeling like things are rote and mundane. I can get trapped in my own little ruts. Yep. But if I'm really, if there's a pastoral sense about planning and leading worship where I'm considering all these people, that's, there's like no end to delving into other people's stories and trying to draw that out and see how can we be pressing the word of God into our hearts through this worship that will never get old. Yep. You see what I'm saying? There's the, Mm -hmm. that's what I hear in that is a very, an other focus. Mm-hmm. which is a a huge resource for anybody. I mean, if you know, you want to kind of help dealing with your own problems, help other people focus less on yourself and others. That's just a very practical, the world would say, this yeah. is a great way to deal with your problems. The scriptures say, this is the way the Christian should view other people higher than, than themselves. Yeah. It's good. And so you're earlier, you talked about the gospel that mm-hmm. it, but the, not necessarily just the gospel, but the, end game is unhindered worship in heaven yeah. forever. Yep. And we have these little pictures in the scripture where we see into that a window into what that's going to look like. And we know that we're being prepared for that. One of my 
my resources for not letting things become rote or stale is actually sticking to a pretty strict pattern. So it's kind of upside down. Um, and we've talked about this some, but we've never really drilled down into like a service order necessarily. Sure. And in the future, we do plan to do some specific episodes where we talk about different aspects of the worship services and why each one is important. Mm -hmm. Um, but my planning always has a little bit of a gospel shape and a gospel narrative Yeah, where each aspect of the service serves a purpose that together along with the sacraments and with the proclaimed word in the sermon, in addition to other places, that there's this really heightened sense and an awareness of what the gospel is and how it's shaping us. Mm -hmm. So I try to really spend time in that process of looking through the liturgy and fleshing that out. Yeah. And I find that to be, we actually plan our call to worship ahead of time and it's printed because we print everything ahead of time. Yes. Printed right. on Thursday. So all that has to be done. So my process for coming up with the call to worship and the invocation, I don't usually do the invocation, but it's a little bit different, mm -hmm. but it, there's a similar approach to it for me. It's just on a different day. So that's when you said that earlier, I, it immediately hmm. sort of sparks my planning process mm -hmm. for the whole service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've discussed this big picture perspective of worship, worship as it is in heaven, at least to the best of our ability. That's this goal. And then drill down to some of the strategies. One of those being that we let the gospel and just the word of God itself saturate and try to penetrate every aspect of what we do. Mm -hmm. The fact remains sometimes it's just, it feels like another week mm -hmm. and, or there's that thing that's really hard and just really mundane. Where do you find yourself struggling with that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about trying to plan services that are heaven minded, kingdom minded, looking towards that eternal worship service. And I don't want to give the impression, I hope I haven't given the impression that when I like plan our services that I find myself in, you know, if you're thinking like this uh, cinematic vision of like <laughs> me in a monastery, you know, on my knees in silence for hours as I'm like, Holy fire, just gleaning. the perfect focus on... Right, right. It's it's word. usually not like that at all. I mean, it's never like that. Usually it's not. It's never like that. I don't I don't live near a monastery. Um, but so it, it is often, I think the struggle that I have to, to maintain this heaven-minded view is often caused by just simply time. So I find myself, you know, planning services while also looking at my watch saying, oh, I got to, I got to pick up my kids in 30 minutes hmm. or, um, you know, something happened earlier in the day that squished my time more. And I have to get, then go to this meeting with this worship team member. And I only have this a little bit amount of time to plan the service. And I find myself not thinking about the, the heaven minded things because I get so focused on just getting the job done. And I think that's the biggest struggle for me. And I think that's one of the biggest causes of this feeling of it being mundane hmm. is because of that struggle with packed schedules and time. And, it, and I don't mean that we need to have hours of silence. Like I think the Holy Spirit can work in, and he does work even in my deficiencies of time. Yeah. But, but I do think that I, 
I should give it more space than I do sometimes. And I need to build that in better. Hmm. If I'm going to fight the feeling of this being mundane. So what about you? Definitely relate to that. There's a, my personal experience going from single to just married and then to having children, I can chart sort of a, like a trajectory Mm -hmm. of what a Sunday looks like. And it seems like the stress level just builds and builds and it's nothing against my family by any means. Sure. Um, and actually you're just a different season of life. It is. And I can, I think I just have eyes, I have new eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, older eyes, hopefully wiser eyes, but just, I, I recognize they're beautiful eyes. Gorgeous. dear i mean they're fine we're sorry for that um i think you get my point there yeah 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 i'm realizing that it's it is harder and harder Mm -hmm. to not just come into it just kind of here we go again let's let's pull this thing off right and then get down to you know another sunday with its kind of same old another aspect of I think what can become feeling like mundane for me is forgetting that I'm not doing this in my own strength. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm operating like it's here, I am again, pulling this off. It's really completely backwards to the way that I should be viewing all of life, but certainly our gathered worship. So if I don't come in asking God and expecting God to do things, if I just come in being expected of, Mm Mm-hmm. It's upside down. Yeah. And it makes no sense, but I will, if I, if I'm not really thinking about it, that's where I end up. Mm. So, um, Philippians four, just going to throw this out here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is an excellent reminder for me every time to press into the one with all the resources and to go in asking. Yeah, The biggest thing for me that's often overlooked, I think, when we read this passage is with Thanksgiving. Yep. So to go in thanking God for what he's done, remember what he's done, thanking him for what he's promised to do. And then we can count on him to do it. Mm -hmm. If I can get there in some small way beforehand, it's really going to help me even just cycling the power system, the the sound system on and getting the slides set up. It's like that has to happen every time, but. Do I have his eyes for those little moments? For this week's song review, we're going to take a look at Oh Come to the Altar, written by Christopher Brown, Wade Joy, Stephen Furtick, Mac Brock. This is from Elevation Worship. So if you haven't heard it yet, Pause and listen, and come back to us. We are assuming, though, that you've probably heard this since it is in the top 100. Yeah, this is the idea of this segment. (laughs) They're popular. And if you haven't heard it, 
Where have you been? Yeah, we're going to leave you alone, though, and we're just going to discuss this song. So Living on the Galapagos Islands for <laughs> yes. a decade. There's still internet access out there. Is it? Google sends balloons <laughs> to give Wi-Fi to the masses. It's amazing. It is. So, Jay. And also scary. Very scary. Start us off with, uh, <laughs> first of all, a history on this. Do you have any history with this song? Uh, yeah, we've, we've done it a few times. It's never been a super consistent part of our repertoire, but it's one of those songs that I just, uh, and I never like introduced it and like taught it to our church or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was just a song that we've used for preludes before the service starts, or we've used it as our first song of, of the morning, just because it's, it's, I mean, you read the title, it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. We've used it effectively as a way of inviting people into what we're doing that morning. Okay. Um, but I've only maybe used it a, I could probably count on one hand yeah. the amount of times we've done it in the last however many years it's been out. So mm-hmm. what about you? It's interesting that you've used it as kind of a welcoming because I've done it several times too, but never never in that way. Mm. So one of the reasons I like discussing these songs and this has happened when I've discussed certain songs with other worship leaders too. It's like I can get a new perspective on a, a piece of music that I've never really seen it as working in that way before. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Uh, I've We've done it, I mean, it is, the name suggests it's basically an altar call song. Um, right. And so I've used this as a preparation for communion yeah. in the past, mm-hmm. and it's worked pretty well for yeah. that. Or like uh, right before the sermon or right after the sermon, depending on what's going on. So I'm trying to think of an example. We did it somewhat recently, and there was a, needed a little bit of space after the sermon before we really started singing together again, because I think we were discussing something kind of heavy. And I don't know why the actual topic escapes me, so I'll just be vague. Um, But it really served that purpose well to create space where it's not like stand up and sing the song now it just was like we're just gonna do this need a second and take a moment yeah and um near the end where we they say oh what a savior is and he wonder wonderful sing hallelujah christ is risen there's a nice little connection to the resurrection in the song that served that purpose too so it was one of the examples where it just fit like it's like the last piece of a puzzle and it just clicks right in um, and I, I like the song. I think it's very singable. Mm-hmm. Actually, really, with the exception of that bridge, that bridge is really hard to sing. A um, couple yeah, of the intervals the are weird. Hallelujah. Yeah, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Yeah. I notice people struggling. So for me, this one has never been like, a, I think we'll sing this forever. Right. But it's definitely served a purpose. I brought it in because uh, several of our college students really loved it and wanted to do it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's really, it's a nice song. Let's do it. But I didn't really have much more reason for it beyond that. And I think for that reason, it probably won't stand the test of time for us. Mm -hmm. So looking at the flow of the song as a whole, I've not really noticed this before. And you can kind of challenge my interpretation of the the author's intentions here. But I really like where how it starts with talking about our brokenness. The the, the person who's singing is, is hurting and broken. It's mm-hmm. an invitation um, to bring all of that. We're operating out of the, all of this weakness. But then ending on, what's interesting is ending on a half verse. Like that doesn't, 
I don't know of any songs that I can recall that do mm-hmm. that. And it's, and it's, a, and it's, I would say it's a little weird. Um, mm. It's not by any means like terrible, but it, it does feel a little out of place, but I think it's on purpose, but, but I like how it flows from that, the, the place of weakness to a place of, in, in many ways, a place of strength Yeah, that is reinforced by, so bearing your cross, this place of strength that is, that is really the strength comes from this reminder of, Oh, what a savior is any wonderful. Mm-hmm. The reminder of that the father's arms are open wide and that forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us the strength to bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Mm. And so you start, you're starting out with all this weakness. Then you're reminded of all these beautiful gospel truths. And then you're challenged to now in light of that, you have the strength to bear your cross, you know? Yeah. And, and I love that flow. It's just a beautiful, me too, beautiful flow of the lyric. I don't think I've really thought that through. Actually, the last time we did it, I cut that last verse because it just didn't make sense to end it with mm-hmm. it like that. Mm-hmm. But really when you drill down into it, I mean, it's, this is the shape and order of our worship yeah. in our services. Yep. Uh, you're kind of missing the uh, adoration of God in the beginning, but there's definitely a re- recognizing our brokenness responding to his work, mm-hmm. right? So laying it down and accepting him, his righteousness on our behalf, praise of God for that, just thanksgiving and praise. Yep. And then there's ascending. Right. There's a commission right. of that. So worship is always going to lead to, true worship will lead to action, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's no way that you leave unchanged yeah. if you encounter God as yeah. he is. Yeah. So yeah, in that sense, it's, maybe even inventive. And I think they do the half verse to create that weird feeling of it's yep. not over. Yeah. And it, it ends there. Right. But musically it feels like it needs to keep going. And, and, and it, and it does like yep. as your life, you, mm-hmm. you continue the song in the way that you tell the world of the treasure you found. So I like the song. All right. Yeah, it's a good song. And if you don't use it, um, you know, maybe maybe it's good for your church. Maybe it's not good for your church. It's for you to assess, but I would encourage you to listen and be encouraged by it. That's this week's episode. We really appreciate your time and spending it with us. If you wouldn't mind letting us know what you're listening to and what's been helpful for you as you're leading your church, we're always looking for new ideas, just like everybody else, and we'd love to hear that from you. Uh, you can learn more about The Plain Glass and interact with us in a number of ways. Visit us at theplainglass.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, reference the show notes for any additional information, and we'll see you next time.